Hi, and welcome to Tall Tales Uncovered. This is Joe Cummings. I am so glad you're listening in. Oklahoma history buffs and fellow Wild West enthusiasts, please share this podcast and please do a rating review on Apple or whatever platform you're using. Thank you. I love your comments and questions as they spark new tales. For instance, is it true that one man stopped 700 attacking Indians led by Comanche Quanah Parker? Well, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. What a tall tale. Were there ever face-to-face gunfights in the Twin Territories? Really? Why would any sensible gunfighter want to do that? Everybody knows they shot from the rooftops or in the alleys or behind barrels. Gotta be a tall tale. Who is the meanest, dirtiest gunfighter to ever be in Twin Territories? Well, the horses are all tied up and bedded down. Our evening meal is done. The campfire is still glowing with the stars twinkling over our heads in this cool, crisp night air. Let's journey back to July 21st, 1865 in Springfield, Missouri while Bill Hickok and Davis Tutt were quarreling over cards until suddenly they decided to have a gunfight. At 6 p.m. they faced off against each other in the town square. Seeing Wild Bill was fully armed, the crowds scattered into nearby buildings. The gunfighters walked toward each other totally alone in the square. At 50 yards, they each drew their guns Two flashes of fire and two loud gun explosions. They fired at the same time. Tut's shot missed. Hickok hit Tut in the heart, killing him. Hickok was acquitted in the following trial, pleading self-defense. This was the first recorded example of two men taking part in a face-to-face quick-draw duel. It was detailed in an article in Harper's Magazine in 1867. In my hometown in Enid, in 1895, there was an alarm of prospective raids by the Dalton gang on our banks. The Enid citizens decided to get a city marshal. They hired E.C. Williams, as he was well recommended from Western Kansas. He had studied the art of community pacification under Wild Bill Hickok. Later, two cowpokes named James Brown and Frank Smith came into Enid one evening, shooting out lights, including the lamps in a saloon. At midnight, they escorted Ida Fisher and a young lady from the Midway Dance Hall called Skeeter into Cat Bond's restaurant. Marshall Williams walked in to arrest them and told them, now boys, This is not a shooting matter. Just put up your hands. Both cowboys drew their guns to kill the marshal. Silence. All that was seen was two flashes of fire at the level of Marshal Williams' hips. Both cowboys fell dead. Williams drew his gun and fanned the hammer with deadly skill. No one much paid attention to the demise of Brown and Smith. Sunday, August 23rd, 1891, 
the Rock Island train stop at Wacomus, Oklahoma Territory, U.S. Deputy Marshal Ed Short faced off with Charles Blackface Charlie Bryant, a member of the infamous Dalton Gang. Blackface Charlie triggered his six-shooter and Short had his Winchester. They both fired at point-blank range. The gunfight was called Murder Most Foul. Listen to podcast number one for the full tall tale gunfight. The image of the Wild West was filled with countless gunfights that were largely created by the dime novel authors. Most gunfights were the result of the heat of the moment or too much liquor, long-standing feuds, range wars like the Lincoln County War in New Mexico, which produced Billy the Kid, and of course, clashes with Indians. An estimate of 20,000 men in the American West were killed by gunshot between 1866 and 1900, and over 21,586 during the American Indian Wars from 1850 to 1890 for a total estimated loss of life of 41,586. Wyatt Earp, the famous lawman and gunman of the old K Corral shootout said, the most important lesson I learned was that the winner of a gunplay usually was the one who took his time. Fine example of that is Doc Holliday, the dentist gunfighter, was in Las Vegas, New Mexico, where he'd set up his dentist office on the square. He was sitting in the saloon when Mike Gordon stood outside the saloon and started shooting out the windows and sending bullets through the paper-thin saloon walls. He was upset because his ex-girlfriend, was work- who was working in the saloon, would not leave with him immediately. Bullets were flying all around when Holiday, unflinching, stood up, walked toward the saloon door. Milt Joyce, who was the saloon owner, pointed a pistol at Holiday. Holiday drew his cold pacemaker and shot the pistol out of his hand. Holiday walked outside. Gordon started shooting at him. With bullets flying close to him and all around him, Holiday calmly drew his pistol shot Gordon dead at long range with one shot. He then went back in and sat down in the saloon. On August 21st, 1884, two cowboys, Oscar Housel and Clem Barfoot, entered Hanley's saloon in Honeywell, Kansas, and quickly got drunk. Two lawmen were passing through and heard the commotion and they were making and entered the saloon to quiet the disturbance. Well, as you might expect, an argument flared up, and all four of them reached for their guns. It is believed that Clem Barfoot fired first, but several shots followed, which left Barfoot and Sheriff Ed Scott dead on the barroom floor. No one was ever prosecuted for the gunplay. It was a very important outcome for the Twin Territories, though. Oscar Housel would go on to be a prosperous rancher in Oklahoma Territory with his Bar XH Bar Ranch on the Cimarron River, and he employed several notable future outlaws such as Bill Doolin, George Bitter Creek Newcomb, and Zip Wyatt, aka Dick Yeager, 
It was his ranch where they really learned how to ride and shoot. If he had been killed in the saloon, Western history could have been quite different. Housel was also friends with U.S. Marshal Evett D. Nix. Nix was the one who ordered the ill-fated gunfight at the Ransom Saloon in Ingalls, Oklahoma Territory. They left nine people dead or wounded. Three U.S. Deputy Marshals were killed as well as ten horses. Zip Y is my podcast number two and the number seven podcast covers the outlaws and the U.S. Deputy Marshals gunfights such at Ingalls, Oklahoma Territory. Sure, I hate to toot my own horn, but I think you'll find them tall tales indeed. According to Dan Anderson, his 100 Oklahoma Outlaws, in 1893, Bill Haney, bartender of the Buckhorn Saloon in Hell's Half Acre in Wharton, now, of course, Perry, Oklahoma, faced off with three-finger Jack because Haney caught his best girl, Lady Lou, sitting on three-fingered Jack's lap. They each drew with three-finger Jack falling to the floor dead. Haney and Lady Lou married, bought a farm in Noble County, and lived happily ever after. Quick draw and hip shooting was rare in the Old West, however. There was a handful who were very fast and deadly, like Wild Bill Hickok, John Wesley Harden, U.S. Deputy Marshal Bass Reeves, and Dallas Studenmeyer, who were all always fully armed and ready to oblige. Dallas Studenmeyer, standing six foot four, was a veteran of the Civil War, a former Texas Ranger, always wore two guns, was just as fast and accurate with either hand. El Paso was a wild, raw town. In eight months, six town marshals were killed. He started as town marshal on Monday, April 11, 1881. Three days later, on April 14th, Dallas was eating dinner at a restaurant across the street from the saloon. Constable Krimkal went into the saloon to get his rifle and pistol. George Campbell, who was a former town marshal, was confronted by Krimkal about comments Campbell had made about him. John Hale, was unarmed next to Campbell. Yet he pulled the gun out of Campbell's holster and shot Krimkov. There was also a Mexican bystander beside them. Hearing the gunshots, Dallas rushed into the saloon and drew his twin 44 caliber Colt revolvers. In five seconds, he killed the innocent Mexican. Next was Hale, then Campbell, before Krimkov fell. It was called the Four Dead in Five Seconds Gunfight, getting national press. Former Deputy Marshal Bill Johnson was hired to assassinate Dallas. He waited for Dallas to come down the street, who was unaware of Johnson. Hiding behind a pillar of bricks, Johnson fired the full load of a double-barrel shotgun at Dallas. Dallas pulled his pistols and literally blew the private parts off Johnson, who quickly bled to death. Dallas would kill six more men in gunfights. He became a legend, and the crime in El Paso dropped to zero. However, the documented record goes to Captain Jonathan R. Davis, 
a veteran of the Mexican-American War and his gunfight on December 19, 1854. He was at Rocky Canyon near Sacramento, California, armed with two Colt revolvers and a Bowie knife. He was with James McDonald and Dr. Bolivar, gold prospecting. Unknown to them, a, bank, a band of robbers was lying in wait in the canyon brush near the trail. The bandits charged out firing. McDonald died instantly. Bolivar dropped after firing twice. Captain Davis stood his ground, pulling out both his guns blazing. He shot and killed seven of the bandits, one right after the other. Their bullets tore his clothing, but he only had two flesh wounds. His pistols were empty. The remaining four charged him. He whipped out his bowie knife. He stabbed one to death, took out the next by slicing off his nose and face and a finger of his right hand. The remaining two attacked him with knives. He killed them both. Captain Davis single-handedly killed 11 men. Even more amazing and tall tale was the story of one shot being able to stop 700 Indians. Really? How in the world could that be true? On June 27, 1874, at a Buffalo Hunters camp near Adobe Wall, Texas, 700 Indians led by Comanche Quanah Parker, who were later relocated to Indian Territory, attacked the camp of 28 men and one woman at dawn. The defenders were able to hold out, but by noon had lost four men. A group of Indians appeared on a high mesa overlooking the post, which is almost a mile away. Buffalo hunter Billy Dixon took his Sharps rifle and shot an Indian off his horse on the mesa. He made one of the longest ever recorded sniper kills. The Indians were stunned that the hunters had such a weapon. The Indians gave up the fight and retired. Soon 100 men showed up to defend the camp. It was recorded as the second battle of adobe walls. An actual fast draw that turned into a duel to the death occurred in Indian Territory. Big Jim Borland, Caddo County Deputy Sheriff and Deputy U.S. Marshal, and Little West Hudson were well-known adversaries. They met in the Robinson Saloon at Anadarko, Indian Territory, at 1 o'clock in the morning, May 23, 1906. There was no hesitation. Neither spoke nor wavered. Each man drew and fired his pistol at the other until unable to do so. Mortally wounded, they both crumpled to the floor. Borland was 37 and had the largest funeral ever held in Anadarko. It was held at the local opera house because of the crowds. Little West was 28 was buried in Harrison, Arkansas. What's that? What did you ask? Oh, was there any gunplay on the Chisholm Trail through the Twin Territories? In 1871, Clements near Gonzales, Texas, suggested to an 18-year-old young man named West to go with them on a cattle drive on the Oklahoma Trail through Indian Territory and Oklahoma Territory. 
which goes right through my hometown of Enid, which was a place to stop and water and rest the herd. Upon entering Indian territory, two Indians rode up and imposed a 10 cent per head tax on the herd. Before one could speak, Wes drew his gum from the hip and killed them both. Then he killed six more men up the road from where the dead Indian tax collectors lay, according to Dan Anderson in his book, 100 Oklahoma Outlaws. The Clements have brought along with them John Wesley Harden, the most bloodthirsty and the best gunfighter of the Old West, according to most writers. At 15, he shot and killed a man who refused to give him a right-of-way on the road when they met. Three bluecoat soldiers were sent to arrest him. He faced them with a shotgun and a pistol and killed all three. Anderson commented, a second herd came up the Chisholm Trail meeting with the Clements herd, which caused some confusion. The trail boss from the other herd had some crosswords with Wesley and challenged him to a duel at the bend in the river. Wesley met them with his cousin Jim. However, the trail boss brought five men with him. They were outnumbered three to one. Wesley let out a hoop and a holler and charged right at them. When the firing stopped and the smoke cleared, Wes and his cousin had killed all six. The same year, 1871, that Wesley went on the Twin Territories cattle drive, he was wanted for four other murders one of which was the Waco, Texas Town Marshal Laban John Hoffman and one horse theft. Three Texas State Police, Jim Smalley, Green Paramore, and Sonny Sprites, who individually attempted to gun Wesley down, were also killed by him. In the middle of all that, Wesley faced and killed Charles Hoger in the American House Hotel, plus three Mexican vanqueros who together drew their guns to kill him, as well as a Mexican bandit. No wonder a cattle drive sounded like a good plan. Thalius McKinney said he used to sell butter and eggs to Wesley. Thalius would put up a white piece of paper with a small black dot in the center of the paper on a tree. Wesley could draw his pistol and hit the center at 75 yards and at 200 with his Winchester. Everyone said he was the best shot ever seen. Harden met Wild Bill Hickok, Abilene, Texas Marshal, as he rode into town. Wild Bill told him to take his pistols off. Wesley said, sure, all right. Then he reversed the guns in his hands, whirling them over to Wild Bill's face as he jumped back. Wesley told Hickok to put his guns down up, which he did. Wild Bill said, you are the quickest boy I ever saw. Let's compromise and get a drink together. I want to talk to you. They went to a private room, had a long talk, and came out friends, according to Hardin, 
in his autobiography, The Life of John Wesley Hardin. Wesley was credited with up to 50 deaths. He even killed a man in a hotel that he thought was snoring too loud. Oklahoma and Indian territories were full of outlaws, Indians, and desperados, but John Wesley Hardin was the deadliest, fastest gunfighter to ever step foot in the Twin Territories. Well, it looks like the campfire coals are almost out. Thanks to you folks for letting me bend your ear a little bit. Guess it's time we mosey along. See you next time on Tall Tales Uncovered.